Well, it is so good to be back, and uh, it's how many of you are glad to be free? Is there anyone in the house tonight who is free? Oh, I tell you, I sing that song, and I want to dance, I want to run, I want to shout, I want to, I want to, uh, oh my word, I want to just praise God, because God is good, and it is good to be free, because Jesus Christ sets us free, amen? Ah, this freedom in Jesus Christ, where I live there is no freedom other than the freedom that you have in Christ. It's a difficult place that I live, and uh, there is a, an element of, of danger in what we do. In fact, there is, a, there is a big element of danger in what we do. Part of the, uh, the uh, challenge for me being back in the, uh, the comparative safety of the West is just knowing, oh, my word. This feels good to be free. This feels good to not have the weight and the pressure on me. And uh, yet also know that, dear God, there are 1.4 billion people, 1.4 billion people who have no chance of escape from that. There's 1.4 billion people who live their lives in bondage. And uh, I want to be a part of helping them set them free. And this church... He is a part of helping set them free. So uh, praise God. You know, um, as a church, we've really stepped into uh, uh, some incredible stuff in this last year where we've sent people out into some, uh, uh, some amazing places, some frontier places where God is working on the earth. And we're seeing incredible stuff. So I want to talk to you a bit about that tonight. And I also want to talk to you about something that, that I've learned, very, very important that I've learned. How many of you know that we were made for a life of victory? Yeah? We were not made to live a life under intimidation. We were not meant to live a life that was, was, uh, uh, is held down by pressures in this world. We were not made to be dominated by our circumstances or our environment. We were made to have dominion over those things. That is what we've been made for. That is who we are. And uh, tonight, wherever you are, wherever you live, whether it's in a place like me or whether you live in the, in, in the beautiful New Zealand, then uh, you need to know how to live above your circumstances and live uh, above the pressures of life. So let me tell you a little bit about what we do. And we are involved in the underground church in China, which means that uh, in that place, there is difficulty for the people who, who love God. They can be imprisoned for their faith. Uh, they can be beaten for their faith. Uh, just uh, six weeks ago, uh, I was with a pastor uh, in the, the northern part of our province. And uh, this guy, he, he was one of the most incredible people I've met, just a, a just the joy of God shone out of this man, and uh, he was neat to be with. And uh, as we talked to him, I found that actually he had spent some time in prison for his faith. What, he, what had he done to be in prison? He had preached about Jesus Christ. He had told others about Jesus Christ, and that had led to him being thrown into prison. And uh, he, he talked about uh, just how it's in the midst of 
nastiness and misery, how he had found the presence of God even to sustain him in that place. And so when he got out, he wasn't afraid. He continued to preach the gospel. He's preaching the gospel now. He's pastoring a church. And, uh, uh, and, and he was prepared to take the risk of uh, inviting a foreigner to be with him so that he could be helped and that the church could be helped. So we're all about uh, advancing the kingdom of God through training pastors and leaders. And uh, the work that we do is secret. It means that when I go to a place, I can't be identified. Uh, one of the Bible schools that I preach at, uh, when I go there, I have, to, I have a helmet on. Uh, I ride there on my motorbike. I'm not allowed to stop for the guards. If I am stopped by the guards and interviewed by them, then that's the end of the day's work. I've got to go back. And, but uh, I swing around, the, uh, swing around the guards and go fast enough that they can't be bothered with me. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then I, when I get to the apartment area, I, uh, I park my bike, I keep my helmet on, I go up in the lift, I go to a floor that the Bible school is not on. And uh, I get out of that lift, I walk up uh, another couple of flights of stairs to where the Bible school is, go in, and then begin to teach. And uh, uh, it's an amazing time that, uh, that I have with those people because I know they pay a price for what they do. For, for me, there is a danger in what I do. Um, uh, but the most realistic uh, of that is that they'll kick me out. Um, for them, the danger is imprisonment uh, or beating or both. And uh, uh, that's, a, that's a heavy deal for them, I can tell you. But regardless of that, they're excited and enthusiastic and uh, just busting uh, for more of God. And uh, I love that. I love being around people like that because they draw the best out of me. And uh, yeah, and it's exciting to be there because actually they draw the miracles of God as well. So we see some, some, some wild things happen. We see healings happen uh, often without us even asking or praying or without me even asking or praying for that specifically. They just happen as people are in the presence of God. And uh, so I love that. I love that. And uh, we've been there now for a year. And uh, there's uh, another part to what we do. Uh, within a very short time of us being there, my wife was involved in, in helping uh, a woman get out of, of uh, uh, the sex industry. Now, I'll talk to you a bit about that because that, that is, uh, while mine has an element of danger to it, hers has a huge huge uh, a danger to it that uh, I'd love you to know about so that you can pray for us. And uh, so let me talk about it. Uh, my wife, uh, when, we first, when we first got married, uh, within a couple of years of that, we went to, uh, to Singapore, to a Bible school in Singapore. And I remember standing at the front of the church and telling the church what we were going to do. And uh, Kalinda said, uh, as I handed the microphone to her, she said, yeah, and I've got a real heart for child prostitutes, and I want to uh, be able to help them. And as she's saying that, I'm looking at her thinking, sweetheart, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> and uh, oh, what's this about, girl? <laughs> anyway, she's carried that in her heart for a long, long time, 14 years. So when we arrived in China, uh, you know, she, no sign of that all the way up till there, 14 years Within a short time of us arriving in China, uh, we were connected. We had a divine appointment with, uh, with a woman who, who uh, just asked Kalinda, who are you, what do you do, and, and why are you here, and then put her through a, a whole lot more questions. 
and then got her husband to ask her a whole lot more questions. And at the end of that said, this is what I do. I work with uh, young women in this, in this city, uh, young women who have been forced into prostitution. And, uh, you know, in New Zealand, we think that prostitution is a, is a, is a career option, you know. Uh, but for these girls, it's not. They're forced into it. Uh, some of them are young, just little girls. The youngest one uh, so far, uh, just before I left, a 12-year-old girl was taken into the shelter. Uh, think about it. A 12-year-old girl. A 12-year-old girl. Uh, she was sold by her parents, uh, by her uh, mother and father. Her father had an injury, couldn't work. So... Uh, uh, facing starvation, what do they do? Traffickers came to him and said, you know what, we'll find your daughter a job in a, in a supermarket in, in, this, uh, in the big city. Give it to us. We'll pay you for her, and, uh, which they did. That little girl ended up in a, in a brothel. And uh, I said, I'm going to tell you some things that are hard to hear, but this is, this is reality, okay? So you guys up for some reality tonight? Okay, so uh, because this is, this is real. Uh, we think that bad things are stuff that happens on the TV screen. Uh, we look and, and we see uh, CSI, and uh, we look and, and we, we watch movies, and, and we have this way where violence and, and uh, brutality uh, just becomes something that happens on a TV screen. It doesn't happen to real people. Well, this happens to real people. Uh, the human trafficking where the... Where where young women are sold uh, into slavery uh, in brothels uh, is a reality. And uh, this little, little girl, uh, by the time she uh, came into the shelter, she was so messed up that she couldn't even speak. So <clears throat> I tell you, that does something for you and uh, does something in me. Uh, because this is human lives. This is the misery that people live in. So Kalinda was, uh, got involved with that, and uh, she works with counseling the girls because there's no human answer uh, to the misery that they've faced. Uh, there is no, there's no talking. There's no psychotherapy. Uh, there's no human answers, no cunning plans uh, to untangle and to heal uh, these little lives. Uh, most of them are, uh, are teenagers, and uh, yeah, so when they come into the shelter, Kalinda will work with them to bring them into an encounter with Jesus Christ, where they actually, where they, in a vision, will see Jesus Christ take the beatings for them, because that's what he does. He takes everything that we took, he takes it upon himself. That's what he did. They see that Jesus Christ takes the rape for them. And in those encounters, they find the grace to forgive. Even those who hurt them, even those who abused them, even those who, who raped them, even those who sold them. You see, Jesus Christ is real. It's not a religion uh, that, we, that we come here for. If we come here for a religion, then that is worthless. Religion is worthless. 
but an encounter with Jesus Christ. The reality of Jesus Christ will change your life, will heal you, will set you free from whatever you faced. And in this, these girls find freedom, they find healing, and they find the ability to forgive. I'm just going to let Horawai, uh, uh, if we can have that clip of Kalinda, if we could get started on that, that would be great. Hi, Bay City. It's great to be able to say hello to you from our very own apartment here in China. I just so wanted to share with you uh, the things God's been doing since I arrived here. God has faithfully opened an amazing door for ministry for me to be able to serve Him in this place. Before I left the Hawke's Bay, he spoke to me that very last week out of Isaiah 45 verse 3. He said, I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by name. Wow, I had no idea just what the treasures of darkness and who the hordes and secret places would be. But I had a huge excitement in my spirit. I had for many, many years had a longing in my heart to work in the underground world of prostitution, to see these young women uh, held often against their will, rescued from this awful, awful sexual abuse. So. Within such a short time, God flung this door wide open. So in a very short space of time, I found myself responsible for the healing and restoration of all the young women that were being rescued out of the sex industry here. Now for me, this work is so special because most of the girls here, they've been either tricked or sold and then trafficked into the sex industry. They're taken from absolute poverty in the remote villages in this, in this region and beyond. And then they are trafficked into the city for the purpose of prostitution. It's not easy for these girls. They arrive not knowing what's ahead of them. They're frightened. They're held against their will. Their virginity is sold to the highest bidder. They're systematically raped and beaten for as long as it takes for their will to be broken on the inside, for them to give up and to say, I guess prostitution is all life has to offer me now. Most of them are just teenagers. A number of years ago, the average age was around 18 to 24 but now many, many, many 14 to 15, 16-year-olds are being trafficked for the purpose of prostitution. The best part, though, is Jesus brings a hope that no one else can give these girls. Isaiah 51.3 says, He will comfort her waste places, and her wilderness he will make like Eden. Twice a week, uh, groups of Eden volunteers like myself, we go out into the streets, we 
physically put ourselves in the red light districts to reach out to everyone involved in this industry. We ask God before we go, who do you want us to speak to? Every week is like a fantastic treasure hunt where he'll say to one of us, you know, there'll be a young woman in a yellow jacket or someone wearing a pink skirt or he'll show us the face of someone we know we need to reach. And that night, faithfully, as we go out, he always brings just that person along. He'll give us words of knowledge, things that we can speak into their lives. It's just a fantastic opportunity. And as they get themselves ready, we notice if they're sick. We notice the ones who are hurt or injured, who've been beaten by their bosses. We ask about their families and just take personal interest in their lives. More than anything else, though, we offer them choice. We tell them they can choose freedom. We offer them somewhere to live. Uh, we offer them work, meaningful work, where they can come and create jewellery in our workshop. Jewellery that's sent around the world to bless other people. Neiman. All right, so that's... Uh... Uh, a nutshell of the of the work that Kalinda's involved with. It actually involves her. Uh, uh, when they go out on the street, they meet with the girls in the in the uh, the makeup rooms as they're getting prepared for their night's work. Uh, they also uh, will uh, often have uh, a meal with the mafia uh, before they uh, before they go out onto the uh, onto uh, outreach. The reason for it is is that. Uh, the mafia controls the, the whole industry. Prostitution is illegal in, in the place that I live, but uh, uh, the mafia control it and uh, they give bribes to the police and so the police are happy to let it, let it run and, uh, because they get money from it, of course. So uh, often they will meet with the mafia before they go out onto the street for outreach and uh, so they will, will sit around the table with people who are killers. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's no way of, uh, of shielding that or, or taming that down, but these guys are, are dangerous. Uh, they sell human lives, uh, but they're kind of interested in the strange foreigners who would want to, be, want to be involved in this, and they're also drawn by the love of God themselves. So one of these, uh, one of these uh, mafia guys, was uh, as they were sitting with him having a meal, his bodyguard left, and they were able to ask him, we sit with you and you eat with us. To us, you are a reasonable person, but we know that you trade human lives, that you rape, that you steal, that you kill. Help us to understand this. And uh, this guy began to tear up. He's only a young guy and uh, just began to tear up and say, you know what? A, a normal person would not do this. A normal person would not do this kind of work. He said, but I'm trapped also, meaning that if he doesn't do what he's told, then he's a dead man. So everyone is under these levels of control, and uh, it's a grim, dark, nasty, uh, nasty deal. But there's, the great thing is that these girls, some of these girls, find a way out through the love of Christ. They find a way into the workshop where they uh, experience love for the first time in their lives. They learn a trade. They are able to make jewelry. Eventually, they get to a point where they're able to trust, uh, trust the workers in the shelter, 
And they'll say, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. Help me out. And then they'll come to live in the shelter. And uh, that is, uh, that's what we do this for. This is an incredible, incredible thing where a life gets set free. Just this morning, I was, uh, I was telling the, this morning's uh, uh, service that uh, the week before I left, there was a deaf mute girl came in, into the shelter. Now, uh, this girl was 18 years old, deaf and mute, starving on the street. She went into an entertainment center to, uh, to get a job mopping the floors. She said she wanted mop floors to signal to them. Well, that girl was taken by the boss of that place, and uh, a, a whole lot of horrific stuff happened to her, uh, ending in she was forced into prostitution for two years. She didn't get to see outside that place, didn't get to see the sky for two years. That's a long time. And uh, uh, that girl found her way into the shelter. And uh, Kalinda said when she saw her first, she said, this girl was amazing. Even though she had suffered all this abuse and suffered all these horrors, this girl, for the first time in her life, she was clothed, she was fed, she was safe. And she was happy just with that, just with that. Then, uh, just uh, when I, since I've been over here, Kalinda sent me an email saying that someone in the team had prayed for this girl, that uh, uh, she'd had an enormous deliverance, enormous deliverance, vomited up a whole lot of nasty stuff and uh, got set free. The door slammed behind her and she jumped because for the first time in her life, she heard. Come on. <laughs> well, that's good news. Amen. That's what we live for. That's what we do this for. That's why, that's why we're on this earth, to see people set free. Now, you can say, I don't have anything going on like that in my world. And thank God you don't. I'm glad that you don't. But you have people who are captives all around you. You have people that are in bondage to sin. You have people that are, are broken and messed up all around you. They might look like they're living comfortable lives, but actually they're in a bondage. They're in a bondage called sin. And Jesus Christ came to set them free just as much as he came to set these girls free that uh, Kalinda's working with in China. He came to set them free. And that's what it's all about. It's not about us having meetings, but meetings are great. But it's not about that. It's about us getting filled up with the power of God, getting filled up with the life of God, getting full of His joy, and having something that we can give to someone else. And that's real wherever you live, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a student, whether you're a, a mom at home, wherever you are. That's the reality. And you have got something. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is in your heart and your life, you've got something that can make a difference in someone else's life. Hallelujah. That's good. <laughs> now, I, I want to say something just uh, because uh, tonight, I don't want to keep you for, for a long, long time because the impact of this I want you just to know that Jesus Christ came to set people free. People are, uh, people are in bondage to all sorts of things. 
And uh, we need to be able to, to be able to do this work. We need to be able to overcome every strategy of the enemy. The enemy will seek to disempower us. The enemy will seek to rob us. And uh, he's got a number of strategies. In the place where I live, he uses intimidation. He uses rejection. He uses religion. He uses fear. All those things. In my place, that's what he uses. But there's three things that he uses here. The first thing he uses is complacency. Complacency is a sense that everything's going to be all right. She'll be right, mate. A she'll be right attitude, because that's the great New Zealand attitude is she'll be right. She'll be right, mate. Or it'll come out in the wash. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've wrecked enough clothes with stains on them, tossing them in the wash to know that it doesn't all come out in the wash. <laughs> Do you know that? Sometimes you can put stuff that's messed up in the wash and uh, it comes out and it's even more messed up <laughs> because it doesn't all come out in the wash. It doesn't. I've messed up enough of my wife's clothes. I've, I've thought I've been helpful and uh, thrown a bunch of laundry into the wash. And uh, Kalinda's come in and said, what have you done? <laughs> well, it's been helpful. <laughs> ah, no, because it didn't come out in the wash. It set a stain and made it worse. You know, but we have this attitude that in New Zealand that she'll be right, mate. Bad stuff happens to other people. Bad stuff happens to people overseas. Bad stuff happens on the TV, but it doesn't happen to us. I tell you, this earthquake is a loud message that bad stuff happens in our country and that there is no security, there's no guarantees that we have in this life other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only guarantee that we have in this world. And you can't take your security in money. You can't take your security in where you live. You can't take your security in your burglar alarm. You can't take your security in the fact that everything will be right, mate, because it doesn't necessarily work that way. How it works is that if your life is anchored in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what happens on this earth, then you'll be all right. But there's no other security than that. Uh, you know, there's uh, the other weapon that the enemy uses against us is apathy. Apathy is, a, is a, the sense that it doesn't matter what I do. It does, I can't make a difference. And uh, apathy will make you look at the size of the problem and say, I can't possibly do anything, so uh, I can't fix this problem, so I won't even try. Now, in our city, uh, I know there are thousands of girls like the ones that Kalinda works with. Now, she could look at that, we could look at that and say, we can't fix this problem. And so not even try. And that's what a lot of people do. They don't want to know about it. They don't want to think about it. But the reality is, is that you can, she can make a difference. We can make a difference in a bunch of girls' lives. And do you think that makes a difference for them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it does. Now, here's, the, here's the, the thing for, for us here is that we could be robbed of, of the opportunities that God gives us because we're saying, 
the problems are too big. What can we do? Well, you can do all sorts of things. First of all, Jesus said, pray. When you pray, pray like this. Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our prayers have the ability to bring the kingdom of God into this earth. Our prayers are powerful. There is something that you and I can do. We can pray. We can pray and we can bring the kingdom of God into the lives and hearts of people where we live. We can pray. There is lots we can do. We can give. We can reach out and we can touch people's lives where we are right now. You know, the other problem that, uh, that we have here in this place is, and this country is rejection. We think, well, who am I? Who am I? I'm no good. I'm no one. I'm nothing. And uh, no one cares about me. I tell you, that's a lie from the devil. Actually, you are, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, put your hand up right now. Look at me. Let me see. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? That means that you're a child of God. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. You're a king. You're a princess. You are a child of the living God. And he accepts you and loves you. It doesn't matter what anyone else would say. Doesn't matter what anyone else will do. Jesus Christ is your brother. The Father in heaven is your Father, and He loves you. You know what? We're powerful people. We're powerful people, and we can make a difference. But what it takes for us to do is to stand up against complacency, to stand up against the the she'll be right attitude because we know that that's a lie. We can stand up. We can stand up against apathy because we can do something. We can do something in this place. I heard this morning, uh, Lenine and the, and the team in, in Camberley, that team will do something. It will touch lives. We can do something in this place, in this city, in this nation. Your giving will help people in Christchurch. You can do something. Absolutely. Will it make a difference? Yes. The devil would say it's not going to make a difference, but actually it is. To the people who receive from what we give, it makes a big difference. It helps them. We can stand and make a difference in this nation by standing against rejection and saying, actually, I am somebody. I can do something. I can make a difference. I'm a child of the king. That means he hears me. Can I have the band, please, tonight? When you have these things in your heart, we can make a difference in this nation. We can make a difference in the nations of the earth. Because that's the mandate that God has given us. That's the mandate years ago and continually God spoke to this church from Isaiah 54 saying, stretch out the borders of your habitation. Stretch out your tent pegs for your children will populate the desolate nation, uh, the desolate cities. And we will inherit the nations. You know, over the last, uh, last year, we've made some aggressive, aggressive stands. Aggressive in China, aggressive in Pakistan, aggressive in Africa. 
that we can make a difference. And as we follow and as we obey the Lord, He uses us to touch lives and make a difference to people without which would have no hope. People, we can do something. We can do something. This morning, uh, tonight rather, this morning I'm all mixed up. (laughs) But this I know, we can make a difference. Would you stand with me tonight? Just begin to raise your hands. You see, there is a broken and messed up world out there with more horrors than the normal person could imagine. But let's get a hold of the heart of God tonight. Let His Spirit come around us. Say, Jesus, I want to be part of the answer. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me for my complacency. Forgive me for my apathy. Forgive me for wallowing in rejection. Lord, I want to be part of the answer tonight. I want to be part of the answer tonight. If you want to be part of the answer tonight, and there's a cry in your heart to say, God, God, forgive me for my complacency. If that's you tonight and you say, I want to be part of the answer, come on forward tonight and just bring, come on down to the altar tonight and lay lay it before the Lord. Don't stand where you are. Just come on here because there's people in this place that are going to make a difference. There's people in this place that are making a difference right now. And as we worship, as we worship in this place, We declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ that we are a powerful people. We are a people of the King, of the living God. We are a people who can set others free because we carry, we steward the message of Jesus Christ. We steward the life of Jesus Christ. We carry His heart. We carry His Spirit within us to touch the lives of others around us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you, Jesus. So, Father, right now we come to you. Just begin to pray. Jesus, forgive me tonight, Lord God, for my complacency. Forgive me, Lord, that I've thought, It'll all be all right. Forgive me, Lord, for my apathy, for my lack of passion. And forgive me, Lord, for wallowing in rejection when you've made me someone. So, Father, fill me right now. Just speak it. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me up with your love. Fill me up with your love tonight, Lord God, wherever you are. Fill me up, Lord, with your love and your power because you make it possible to make a difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Let's begin to worship him tonight.